if, if you don't have the money to invest in your business, you're better off taking out a second mortgage, I think. Get a loan, get an investor, get, get use somebody else's money. <laughs> if you can't do that, don't drain your retirement account. Hello, you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we strive for ways to achieve those two goals and we invite our friends on to help us. And today I'm very delighted to be joined by Lisa Sigmund because she's going to help us to unravel some of the questions that we have when you're forming an entity. So all of the folks out there who are hoping and working and doing all their work to become entrepreneurs, and then you have that point where you have to choose how am I going to set up my company? And you just don't know, like, what's the difference? So Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Do you want to just start by giving us a little bit of uh, your background? I'm really curious as to how you got into this particular niche of law. Oh, um, so I started practicing. I I went straight into my own practice when I graduated law school, um, which was crazy. (laughs) Um, And when you're just a brand new baby lawyer and you don't really know what you're doing, you just take any work you can get. Anybody that's willing to to pay you to do something, you take (laughs) it. So I just, I gravitated to small business owners um, in part because their budgets tend to be low and I was cheap. (laughs) 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 So, um, but I really, I I found a niche sort of in um, the franchise world for a while. And I worked with um, people buying franchises. And then as my practice has grown, my passion really transitioned to women owned and operated businesses. Um, I had a lot of clients who, for their own personal reasons, really wanted to only work with a woman attorney. And um, I found that myself, you know, I'm, I'm a 40 something year old single mom of two with, you know, aging parents and all the obligations of being pulled in so many directions, um, you know, and running my own law firm. I could relate to everything that my clients were going through. So I really wanted to focus my attention on that community. And that's really how the practice has grown. Um, My partner, Erin, is an estate planning attorney. And so the two of us together, our focus is to help women, business owners, um, protect their assets, their business assets, and then the wealth and the personal assets that they should be accumulating through having their own business. And so we really want to take this two-prong approach um, and really work with these women that are looking for financial independence, because to me, that is like mission critical personally. And I think it's mission critical for women in general. Um, And I'm sure you've seen the the reports um, with the job losses over the course of the pandemic and, um, In December alone, 140,000 jobs were lost. They were women, all of them, every single one. Wow. So, um, you know, women coming into 2021 are the next wave of entrepreneurship. And so that's where I want to be. That's who I want to be working with. So that's, that's really where, where it all started and how I got here. And, you know, I love it. it. It's, you know, that saying, like, it doesn't feel like work if you love what you're doing. I always laughed because I always had jobs that I hated, but <laughs> now I really, I don't hate my job. So it's, it's great. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So as a, as a young entrepreneur or an older entrepreneur, like myself, when you're looking at, well, I mean, my, actually my boyfriend's going through this right now. He's wants to do a pizza trailer. 
And he's like, well, what am, what am I going to be? You know, should I be an LLC? Should I be an LLP? Should I be an incorporated? You know, should I just do a DBA? I mean, how do you make those decisions? How does it vary by business type or? So the, the two, it's sort of a a two factor test, um, initially, and then you'll, you'll come down and then, you know, you'll make, ask more questions and, and sort of branch off. It's kind of like Plinko on the uh, <laughs> prices. Right. But the, the first two questions are um, what are the tax implications? And then do I need the legal liability protection? Because that's what an entity does. And it doesn't matter if the entity is an LLC or a corporation the point of the LLC is to um, separate and protect. So you're separating your personal and business assets and you're protecting the obligations and the assets from one another. Um, And that's true no matter what type of entity you pick. So that's not the question. Initially, the question will be, are there tax implications? Are there tax benefits or consequences that you need to take in consideration? And that's totally facts dependent on your situation. And that's a conversation that's best had with your CPA. Once that determination has been made and you you come to your attorney, then we can make sure, okay, tax-wise, sure, but let's just make sure that your fact pattern fits. Um, You know, there are some restrictions. There's an LLC, there's an S-corp, or there's a C-corp. C-corp's just corporation, right? There's really no limitations. S-corp has limitations. You could only have a hundred shareholders. All of them have to be legal residents in the United States. They all have to be individuals. So like another business can't be a shareholder of an S corporation. So as long as you don't have any of those factors, if the CPA recommended being an S corp, then you know we're good to go. In terms of deciding between an LLC or a corporation, it often just comes down to the size of the business in terms of ownership. If there's just one owner, you probably don't need a corporation. Corporations are a little bit harder to run. There's more um, formalities to follow. And if you're just a solo business owner, having to deal with all that on top of running your business and doing the actual work in the business, it's just a lot. So the LLC, that's why it was created to sort of ease the burden of the entity requirements. Um, it's not an, uh, an old uh type of entity. It's relatively new. Um, I would say 30 years or less is merely when it, it's been created and it in some states even more recently. Um, but it's it's much easier. It, there's fewer documents to file. There's fewer documents to keep on the back end. There are fewer um, pieces involved. You know, it's just the members and that's it. Whereas, you know, with a corporation, you have shareholders, you have a board of director, you have your officers. There's just a lot more to do. So, you know, at a high level, that's where we start. And then we work our way down. And then there are other questions like, are you planning on bringing on employees? If so, how many, how soon? Are you going to get investors? What type of investors? It used to be that investors really didn't want to deal with LLCs, but that's not even the case anymore. Um, They used to also want you to always be incorporated in Delaware for the tax advantages, but that's not even necessarily the case anymore. Lots of LLCs go through um, investment rounds and get angel investors. So that's not even a a limitation anymore. So do LLCs also have to have just individuals as investors? No, an LLC membership can be held by another business, can be held by a trust, um, could be held by another LLC. 
they just wouldn't then be able to elect to be taxed as an S corp, which is another benefit of LLCs. You can be an LLC, but then choose to have the IRS tax you like you're something else. So you get the ease of running an LLC, but the tax benefits of that corporate structure. And that's what a lot of smaller entrepreneurs end up deciding is that they'll be an LLC and then elect the S corp status for the IRS purpose. So it's sort of a blend and like the best of both worlds. Yeah. Now I've heard of people getting sued by somebody and because they haven't kept up on their documentation, that person is able to what they call it, pierce the corporate umbrella. Is that what they call it? And then, so how, how do we avoid that? (laughs) So there's some really basic things to do. First and foremost, top of the list is don't commingle your personal funds and your business funds. And that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, start your company with your own money. You certainly can. You just have to account for it correctly. You need to, you know, have a ledger, have a bookkeeper, have somebody keeping track of your money and you record your initial um, contribution as your capital contribution or it's a loan from an officer and then you pay yourself back and do it the right way. Don't just, you know, hit the ATM and take out cash and, oh, well, I only have my business card, so I'm going to pay for my groceries on my business card. Because once you start doing that, you're eroding at the legitimacy that the entity is its own thing. Um, The other thing is, is a lot of people will just go online and file their organizational papers with the Secretary of State. And it's super easy to do. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you, you need a lawyer to do it. You don't. It is quite literally filling in names and blanks and addresses. It's easy. But if that's all you do, you're not really an entity. When the state stamps it and, and approves it, they're just saying you filled in all the blanks. You're not using the same name as someone else and you paid the fee. That's all they're saying. They're not saying you're doing everything right. They're not approving you. And then every year you file your annual report, all they're saying is, yep, you gave us your money. Thank you. That's it. So it's all the other things that you do that help support and make sure that the entity is a true entity and not name only. Things like having an operating agreement, having an annual meeting, putting your votes into a memo or a vote on paper. All of those things, you keep your own records. You don't file them anywhere. But by having them, if you get sued, you can show, no, I do everything by the book. This is truly an entity. I'm really doing what I'm supposed to. If you don't have those things, then you know they're going to argue that you've been acting in your personal capacity. And the reason that they do that, um, plaintiffs, people filing complaints is, is because when you sue someone, you want to go after as many pocketbooks or pockets or wallets as you can. If you only sue a business and then the business files bankruptcy and closes, you may never get your judgment. But if you sue the business and you're able to show that the person who owns the business was acting in an individual capacity and the court allows you to name them as a defendant as well, now that's two piggy banks you get to raid, right? And even if the company goes bankrupt, that business owner then may have to go get a job and now all of a sudden their wages are getting garnished to satisfy that judgment. So it's really important that you take the steps beyond just that initial filing to help show that you really are an entity and not just a name only. Wow. So, but a, now a DBA doesn't give you anything, right? That doesn't- so a DBA is just a fictitious name. That's all it is. 
Um, it's really good for creating a little level of anonymity between yourself and your business, um, especially if you're a sole proprietor. So if you don't want to use your name um, as your business, the DBA allows you to say, you know, I'm Acme Corp, even though you're really, you know, Susie business owner. Um, the same is true if you have just a very generic entity name, you know, like Acme Inc., but you have a brand that you want to work under, and then you get the DBA of the brand. And so then you operate under awesome company name, you know, and that's your DBA. Some cities or towns require all businesses um, to register. It's called a business certificate, but it's the same thing. It's how you'd get your DBA. Um, some of them carve out an exception. If you're formed as an entity, you don't have to. It varies from town to town. Some of them, they do it because if you're opening up a storefront, they have very strict rules about signage. So they need you to register so they can make sure that you're doing those kinds of things right. Um, but, and, and it's it's nominal. It's, you know, 25 to $50 and it's good for anywhere between one to five years, depending on. So it's definitely worth it to get it. Um, and in some places it's absolutely mandatory to get it, but it provides absolutely no legal protection whatsoever. Now, if you're purchasing property, you know, you can, you can purchase it in an LLC or an S corp, but you can also purchase it in a trust. And mm -hmm. is there a, my light just went out. <laughs> How does that dip, like as an investor, what would be, there be an advantage to me to open up to uh, buy a company? I mean, buy a piece of property and put it into a trust instead of a, a corporation. So that's actually a tax question more than anything. I think it would have to do with how the step up basis is determined. And then, you know, like the capital gains. Um, and that's actually way outside my lane. I don't, I don't do real estate at all. Um, and then my partner does trust, but she does it in estate planning sense. So I, I can't give you a good answer for that, but I can tell you that um, if somebody is buying investment properties and buying multiple properties, that it's almost always the best plan to put each one in its own whatever, whichever you decide to do. So if you're going with LLCs, each property should have its own. If you're going with trust, each property should have its own. And the reason for that is if somebody slips and falls at one property, you don't want them to be able to attach a judgment to any of the other properties. And by keeping them in their own um, buckets, you can't climb up and out and into the other buckets. So that's just legally not allowed. Yeah, that's, and, and, and it is, uh, people do get kind of suit happy sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, landlord tenant law, especially in Massachusetts is super tenant friendly. Um, so, you know, there's that you're already kind of have that against you. Um, and then slip and falls and things like that. Um, the Massachusetts law on like snow removal and ice is not particularly landlord friendly. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of risk in carrying real estate that justifies the expense of having unfortunately it is an expense because each one has its own tax return each one you know right yeah. your annual filing fee but it's like insurance on you know you hate paying for it until you you're glad you, need you did it. You need it right <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so i've also 
heard one of the arguments against an LLC is what you were saying before that it's because it's a young entity, a young type of designation that maybe um, it hasn't totally been tested in court. Did you have any? any yeah, I think that is no longer the case. No I mean, longer the we case. Have yeah. Several decades of LLCs in every state at this point, um, and you know, there's no question now as to what it does and how it protects you. And, you know, like I said, like the big thing was you want, you wanted investors. If you weren't a corporation, you couldn't get it. Investors invest in LLCs all the time. Yeah. I, personally, I I've just recently gotten into trying to do a little stock market, you know, on my own. And so when I see companies that I'm interested in, I always go and look up and I'm finding so many of them are actually LLCs now. So there is no stock. There's no, there is no IPO because you can't buy shares of an LLC. So, and, you know, but I can see that they're going through several rounds of funding. So they, they're definitely, you can, you can get money, you can get investors like they're, you know, the investors now are, are a younger generation, right? They're, they're tech savvy. They're, you know, so that like granddaddy of entities doesn't matter to them anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's um, I, I don't think that that's a reason not to do it. Certainly some people just feel like there's a little more cachet being able to say Inc or Corp and that's, and that's fine if that's yeah. what they want to do, but they just have to be willing to abide by all of the requirements. So if you wanted to sit, so let's say that I open my company as an LLC and I think it's just going to be just like a little thing. And then all of a sudden it gets bigger and bigger. And I think, you know what, I might like to go, I might like to become, you know, to sell shares or something. Can, can you switch from? Yes and no. So technically you're just creating a new entity. There's no conversion mechanism, <laughs> but you can just create the new entity. You would get a new EIN through the IRS because it's a brand new baby. Yep. So it gets its own, you know, business social security number. Um, and then you would just transfer assets. And when you do that, you may actually be selective about what transfers and what doesn't. You may end up actually keeping both. Um, a really good example is if you um, had a business that had a lot of equipment or machinery or things that you had to lease, mm -hmm. you may actually want to leave the leases, all the lease items under the purview of the LLC and move everything to the corporation. And then the corporation leases the, the leased items, for, you know, and then you can get tax benefits that way. Um, landscaping companies do that a lot because they have so much like so many trucks and equipment that they'll actually have one LLC just for all their leaseholds and then the other LLC to run the rest of the business. Hmm, interesting. So they basically renting or leasing from themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So many nuances to the tax code. <laughs> I know. And I think a lot of that is, is to, to drop, to pull the profits down because mm -hmm. then it's an, it becomes an expense. Whereas, you know, a lease in the, and the interest, you know, and again, now we're skirting off into where I don't know. <laughs> I, I really like, I, you know, I firmly believe in staying in my lane because you know, the tax code is just, it might as well be in Greek. Like I just do not understand. It. Yeah, I know. Finding a good accountant is. Uh... Oh, they're, they are worth their weight in gold. <laughs> so how about for you? Do you have like a, a sort of a passion project? Or is there anything that you do either in your own time or as part of your business that is just your absolute favorite part? So I really love to work with um, businesses that are just starting out. Um, 
and even greater is when we stick together for long enough that I see their growth. Yeah. Um, I have one client that was one of my very earliest clients. They've been with me for well over 10 years now. Wow. Um, and when they started out, it was two guys and two desks in this little one room office, like looking at each other. And, you know, now they're in, God, I don't even know. It's like this massive, they have the entire floor of a Cummings property up in, in Beverly. Um, they're, they're doing like millions and tens of millions in sales, like annually. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing to me. Like that. I remember, like, I remember when, you know, like we were, we were doing their like initial filing. And so, you know, I love that because I, I take so much pride in, you know, almost like a motherly, like pride in seeing them grow and succeed. So that I, I do love that. Um, you know, so I like the startup because I like doing that work, but I, I you know, I like the long-term relationship and, and watching the growth, um, you know, because that's the point, right? The one, you know, when they come to me and it didn't work out, that's always like heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, like, no, like, oh, I have to sell it now, that. or can you help yeah. me it down? Like, I, I hate that. That's actually why I kind of moved away from franchisee representation because just too many of those fail. And, you know, I, I would do my best to, to shield them um, from that possibility. But I mean, it's still, it happens. I mean, you see it all the time. You watch them like pop up and open and then they're closed, you know. So I, I, think I, there's I still a lot do of upfront it, you know? cost to that. It can be crazy. It can be really crazy. And then, you know, they, and they, they make poor choices in how they're going to fund it. Um, which I, I didn't like, you know, I try to talk people out of, but it's, it's such an enticing concept, getting a whole business in a box, just the plug and play. But my experience has been, if you can really only afford to buy one, you're not going to make any money. You need to be in a position where you can either be a, a regional or an area developer where you're sort of like a middleman and you're selling the franchisees to the, the individuals, or you need to be able to buy multiple franchise units. And then because the, the flow amongst the multiple ones can do this, you can do better. But if you put all your nest egg into one, I, I find that very, very few succeed. Oh, that's sad. Very sad. Do you have any sort of, I guess, um, stories that would be a lesson to somebody else like I don't want to say a horror story but something where maybe someone didn't listen or whatever and something happened and you know that we could all take away as a lesson for ourselves don't do this yeah um the franchisee ones are probably the worst stories just people like cashed out their retirement funds yeah to buy these businesses and then the businesses fail and you don't you don't recover that um so that I guess would be like a, a cautionary tale. Like if, if you don't have the money to invest in your business, you're better off taking out a second mortgage. I think get a loan, get an investor, get, get use somebody else's money. <laughs> if you can't do that, don't drain your retirement account. Get a, get another mortgage on your house or, or something like that. Because if you default on your mortgage and you lose your house, 
you can find somewhere else to live. You can get, a, you know, rent an apartment. If you drain your retirement account and you fail, there's no getting that back and there's no catching up. Like, and that, that's a, that's actually a big industry in the franchises that they, they can borrow against or borrow from without the tax penalties of early withdrawal. And I just, I try to talk everybody out of that. I just think it's a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, that is it's sad, sad. So if people want to sort of educate themselves, if they're thinking about starting a business or, if, you know, maybe I guess at this point, they'd have to be somewhat underway already with the idea. They already have the concept and everything, but they're just trying to decide I don't know, the steps to take and things like that. Are there things you can read or anything you can do to educate yourself? You know, these are people who would not, um, maybe aren't in your, in your region. <laughs> they can't just come to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I can only work with someone in Massachusetts. Um, so the SBA is national. They're a, a really good source, um, for small businesses, local chambers can be really good sources as well. Um, and then for women, there's um, the Women Business Enterprise or the Women Enterprise Center. Um, they offer mentorships um, and things like that. And then SCORE um, is a really good resource as well. And then often I find community colleges may have resources for the public, especially if it's one that offers any type of business courses. Um, you can see if that they have anything. Sometimes they, they will have, um, at least they'll give you access to the library or they may um, have a group organized. Um, and then networking groups online right now, obviously, but in person are really um, helpful because you can meet. So one of the things I love about working with women is that we're collaborative less than competitive. And you know, I feel like, and I'm not going to bash men, but they're, they're more of a competitive mindset, which means, you know, they want to be the only one doing whatever it is they do in the room. Um, whereas women don't operate from that scarcity mindset. So when you go to a networking event, if you decide you want to open a floral shop and there are three other floors there, they're the people you want to talk to in the beginning, right? Like they're, they're already like paving the way. Don't reinvent the wheel, talk to them. And I feel like women will be more willing to share their experiences, good and bad than men will. Um, because, you know, there really is enough business to go around. There really, really is. Um, so there's no reason to, you know, hide the cards and you know, I, you know, anytime anyone wants to talk about starting a law firm or anything like that, like I'm more than happy to talk to them. And one of the things that I do when I have clients call me is I ask them if they've talked to any other attorneys. And if they said they haven't, I will give them names because I feel like it's important that you have more than one choice and more than one person, because it's, it's a very personal relationship beyond just, you know, the cost, you need to be able to work with that person. And so you know, especially for women business owners, I think it's really important to find other people in the industry, find out what they're doing, where they're hanging out, like what resources did they find to be the most helpful? Yeah, that's really helpful. 
Um, so at what point in the formation of the business should people start to talk to you to start to talk to an attorney? So if they find that they're starting to um, hire vendors or enter into any kind of service agreements or contracts or leases, they really should have your entity in place before you do that. Because anything that you sign before you create your entity isn't in the entity unless the person that you signed it with is willing to assign it to the entity once the entity's formed. So if you find a, a really great studio space that you want to rent for your business and you sign a lease and then you go and open and start your entity, you, the person is on that lease, not the LLC. Um, so the landlord may or may not be willing to have you put that under the LLC. Whereas if you start your LLC first and then you go to the landlord, the LLC is what's gonna be on the hook for that um, lease. So if you find you're at that point where you need to start signing agreements and start paying for services, you really should. Now, it's impossible to do everything after. There are some things that you just will find you, you have to do before the entity and that's fine. I mean, you, you hire me, you're not an entity yet, right? So you're actually hiring me as an individual. It's literally impossible to hire me as your entity if you don't have an entity. Um, and you know there may be other situations like that where you need to get your website up and running. So you have to buy the domain name. And you know that kind of thing is okay, but you know once you're really in the, the like, okay, the, the rubber's hitting the road, you really, you want to have your entity in place. Excellent. Lisa, that's so helpful. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I failed to ask anything that you want to share? I don't think so. I mean, it's, you know, it's so fact dependent about what you're doing that you really, you, you need to talk to a professional and you need to really, you have, you need to have a team of professionals. Um, at a minimum, you need a really good CPA or um, an enrolled agent, which is similar to a CPA, um, and then an attorney. And then likely you'll find you may need a bookkeeper. Um, you may, you'll probably need a web designer unless you can build your own website. Um, and, you know, you may need a business coach. I have a business coach. I think they are immensely helpful. Um, so, you know, building a really good team is crucial, especially as you're starting out. Um, and the other thing I find is that businesses that are starting, they sort of feel like they're hemorrhaging money. And I, and I get it, but they have to be really careful that they're not being penny wise and pound foolish when they're hiring or not hiring professionals. Um, you know, I'm in a lot of networking groups and a lot of people, when they're starting out, they're like, oh, you don't need an attorney for that. Oh, you don't need an attorney for that. You don't. I'm not going to tell you you'd have to. But I am going to tell you, if you do it and you do it wrong, it's going to cost twice as much for an attorney to fix it than if you had just gone to the attorney in the first place. So, you know, you got to kind of weigh that out. Oh, and yeah. insurance. That's the other thing. You, you need your insurance sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Excellent advice, Lisa. Thank you so much. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to start their business, if they're ready to actually do it and they're in Massachusetts and uh, how can they, how can they reach out to you? 
they have to be Massachusetts. I can't work. Unfortunately, I can't work uh, with clients outside um, the state, but um, we have online booking right through my website and all um, potential clients. It's a free initial consultation. They can just book right online, um, pick my name and then just pick new client or I don't even know what it says, potential client, something like that. <laughs> and, you know, it'll just be like a 15, 30 minute discovery call to see if you really need a lawyer, if it's something I can help with and if we're a good fit. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. And I want to just let everybody know uh, that we're going to have Lisa back at some point because there's all kinds of new legislation coming on in most of the states that talk about privacy policies on your website. And I'm pretty sure I do not have a privacy policy on my website and I don't want to be out of compliance. So <laughs> yeah, it, it used to be if you didn't really have an interactive website, you know, some people's websites, it's just there and it's just giving information and that's that, um, that you didn't need a privacy policy because you weren't collecting anything. But even those now need it because just somebody clicking in your website probably has cookies. Um, and cookies are just, you know, so that they can get back there faster yeah. the next time. Yeah. Um, you, that's, that's, that's collecting data and that's protected now. So even, even just these very static sort of marketing websites do need a privacy policy now. I need to learn all about that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And, you know, and I, I wonder too, how it's going to work. Um, I have someone build my website. So I, I've never, you know, I don't do that, but I know like there are all sorts of websites where you can do it yourself with Wix or WordPress or, or whatever. And I, I wonder, and I just simply don't know um, how that works with compliance with privacy policies and, and data collection, because I, I don't know if the people that are building their own websites like that have control over what data is collected or not. And I don't know if Wix or right. WordPress or whatever is, taking care of it on the back end. So I'm curious to see how with these data privacy policies and legislation rolling out and people doing their own websites, how, what's going to happen when those two collide? Yeah. Especially if it's state dependent, if each state has their own little nuance, that's going to be messy. So the good thing is, is most of them copy their predecessors rather than try to come up with something new. So as long as you comply with the strictest one, you're usually okay everywhere else. Excellent. Well, Lisa, thank you very much. And thank you, listener, for listening. Very delighted to have everybody here today. And all the links that we talked about will be on the website, which is getyourfillpodcast.com. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this. And if so, please share it with the entrepreneur in your life who is going to get ready to start their business and needs to have this entity help. And until then, we'll see you next week.